Welcome back, buddy. How was Europe? Well, so we left on a Sunday. We flew to Chicago. We had an eight-hour layover in Chicago. We flew to Zurich. My wife got food poisoning. We hung out in the Zurich airport for three hours. We went into Zurich. We spent an hour buying chocolate in Zurich. Then we tried to get on a train to go to Lindau, Germany. The train didn't exist. We bought the train ticket four months ago and it turns out that despite buying the ticket online the train did not exist it was shown on the platform like the big screen it's just like in an airport said the train existed train didn't show up we went and asked the guy guy said this train doesn't exist it's not a real train puts us on a new train all right so we get on that train we're sitting on the train for 15 minutes we're freaking out because we got a connection in austria on our way to germany and then after 15 minutes everybody gets off the train they're speaking german we don't know what's going on. Turns out somebody died on the train. And we know this because my wife saw the dead body being loaded into an ambulance. All right. Bear in mind, this is like 20 hours straight of traveling. Okay. So we get put on a third train. We get on the third train. We get to our destination. We get to Lindau in southern Germany on the Bodensee, Lake Constance. Beautiful. Wake up the next morning. We take a train to Friedrichshafen, Germany. We take a taxi cab from the train station to the Zeppelin. We get on the Zeppelin. We spend 45 minutes on a Zeppelin, most magical experience of my entire life. We get off the Zeppelin. We take a bus back into Friedrichshafen. Train from Friedrichshafen to Lindau gets canceled. We have to take a ferry back to Lindau. Next day, we get on a ferry again. We go to this place called Mearsburg in southern Germany. Beautiful, amazing castle. Wonderful place. Get on a ferry back. Next day, we get on a train. Train gets canceled again. We had to book a new train. Train takes us to Hamburg. We go to this dope place called Miniature Wonderland. It's like the world's largest model train exposition, essentially. They've got like literally entire nations recreated in miniature. Incredible. Next day, we get on the Queen Mary 2. We sail across the uh, English Channel to Southampton. We take a bus from Southampton because there's a rail strike going on in the UK right now to London, England. Spend a couple of days there. Flew back today. Felt amazing. It's good to be back. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me, as always, except for last week with my co-host Taylor, at Taylor underscore Wit. I guess you're always here. I am. I've been here every episode. Occasionally, I'm not here. (laughs) I've taken a few episodes off. We're brought to you, as always, by the Pigskin Podcast Network at pigskinpodnet. You can get your official Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom merch through our friends at DabBotT, DabBotT.com, on Twitter at DabBotT. Check out our amazing partners, DraftKings. Football's coming up. If you like to spend your DraftKings money on football, buddy, you are in luck. And, of course, Underdog Fantasy, if you like best ball, which is all about drafting, You have got a couple weeks left before the start of the regular season to draft your best ball teams. You can draft during the season, too. But in my opinion, this is the time to do it. Well, I mean, four months ago was the time to do it. But this is still the time to do it. You can use our underdog promo code. It's Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, to get your magic deposit up to $100. If you put $100 in, you get $100 for free. It's amazing. Now, Taylor, we've got another thing going on right now. and It's kind of your thing. It's your tweet. You get to farm the engagement from this contest. Yes, so I do. tell 
tell the listeners what's going on with that. I'm desperate for engagement. Um, We are giving away a free official Chiefs jersey. And we wanted to say thank you for all the wonderful support that we've had for our over two years doing this pod now. And so we are basically, I have a tweet that is pinned on my Twitter profile at Taylor underscore wit. And if you would like to participate and you have not participated yet, we've gotten great participation so far. We're over 350 raffle tickets given away for this, but you uh, go find that tweet and quote tweet it. And you can do it one once per day between now and and September 10th, the day before the Chiefs play week one in Arizona, and we will draw a, a random quote tweet from this big list and give away a jersey. So that's going to be fun. You can also get five additional raffle tickets if you send me a picture of a of a review of the pod, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I won't take two for 10 total, but either one of those counts for the plus five. And we are Does hoping that be a review that they made because you just said a screenshot. I just said a review. It has to be a review that someone, yes, that they, that the person yeah, who's give, sending give it. Give us your right. review. We'll, yes, we'll your know. Review. We'll know. We'll figure yes. it out. And we'll give, we'll give away a jersey them. here in a couple weeks. It's going to be fun. Now, are there any limitations on what kind of jersey that they can select? Yes, there are. Uh, there are the normal terms and conditions apply. <laughs> terms and conditions apply. See uh, tweet for details. But basically, there are these like crazy vapor three hundred and eighty dollar jerseys that there's no chance that we're giving out yeah, we're not those because we're not made of money. But the one hundred and twenty nine dollar jerseys, the standard uh, team issue jerseys, those are one of those is up for grabs. We are flush. We are forty two hundred dollars flush. And we would like to give away this jersey. That was a reference to the gang buys a boat. I don't know if it's going to land, but for the true fans of the podcast, it will land. They'll love it. So we got a great show for you guys today. Taylor delivered a great show with our buddy Dan Harms last week. I almost turned it off when you asked him those three questions to start off the podcast, which guys got great football takes. Totally disagree with his personal life. In he general. went three for three. He went over three, but we have a great show for you guys this week. We've got news. Some roster news, some injury news. That's going to be fine. We're going to recap preseason game two, which is mostly going to be you sharing your thoughts with me because I was on a ship with no internet when preseason game two happened. I've been watching the highlights and, you know, sifted through some things, but I did not get the chance to watch it for all 60 minutes. We are going to preview preseason game three, such as it is. That will be the third and final preseason game, which is going to be tomorrow thursday night and so for a lot of you since we'll po- be posting this wednesday night you know that's either going to be the day you listen or after you've already listened so um the better listen game to three, it on thursday that's right game three takes. preview will not be uh super in-depth but you know we're gonna we're gonna tell you what we're thinking about going into the third game and finally we are going to make our 53-man roster predictions it is getting close enough to the start of the regular season that i feel like we can do an informed job of giving people our takes about the final 53 let's get into it with the so very sad news this morning it is wednesday august 24th and we received the sad expected but still sad news this morning that chiefs legend and hall of famer quarterback len dawson has passed away at 87 years old we obviously heard the sad news a couple of weeks ago that he had been moved to hospice care and this was uh, certainly was coming but it still is a very sad day in chiefs kingdom yeah it is um perspective wise you know for 
those of us in our mid thirties, like you and I are, um, we do not have the perspective of having watched Len as a player. So most of our memories of him are as a broadcaster, uh, either on KNBC or, you know, throughout his great broadcasting career that he had, or, you know, we are keenly aware, especially those of us that are statistically minded that have poured <laughs> through the box scores and that have kind of looked at what the NFL was like before we were watching it, that Len was the dude. I mean, yeah. he absolutely was ahead of his time and was extremely effective and one of the pillars of the quarterback, you know, landscape for a long time. And I know maybe that doesn't always hit home in like the bigger picture of the NFL, but um, I know we certainly appreciated all of his contributions, both to the chiefs and the community in Kansas city. And uh, it's a sad day. And we hope uh, his family is you know, able to find some peace in there because he was a, a great guy for a long time. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to shed some of these or share some of these statistics with you guys. We've talked about Len on the show a number of times before, but I think, you know, Len Dawson's prime, uh, 1962 to 1969, his age 27 season to his age 34 season. That first season was with the Dallas Texans before they moved to Kansas City. But 1963, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68 and 69 with the Kansas City Chiefs from their inaugural season and his very first game as a Kansas city chief, where he absolutely hung dong on the Denver Broncos in Denver, um, just sort of setting the stage for how that entire reaction um, interaction between those two teams would go for the rest of time here. Here's what he did in those um, in those eight seasons. Uh, he led the AFL. Now the league Granted, this is the AFL, it's still an expansion league, but he led the AFL in completion percentage. Out of those eight seasons, he led the AFL in completion percentage seven times. Nice. So seven out of eight, he led the league. He was the best quarterback in the league in completion percentage. He led the league in touchdowns four times out of eight years. He led the league in touchdown percentage five times, or excuse me. Yeah, uh, yeah, five times out of eight seasons. He was uh, first in yards per attempt three times. He was first in adjusted net yards per attempt, which takes sack yardage into account five times out of eight times. And he was first in quarterback rating in the AFL in that stretch from 1962 to 1969, uh, six times out of eight seasons. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Literally like the best quarterback in AFL history. And, you know, I get it. Like, I understand that's not the NFL. It's pre-merger, but he won a Super Bowl. He won Super Bowl four. He played in two of the first four Super Bowls in NFL history. He really, I mean, Super Bowl one was a competitive game. Super Bowl four, the Chiefs win that game. They beat the Vikings to take home their first Super Bowl trophy. I mean, that was really like until Patrick Mahomes, that was the pinnacle. Yeah. Of quarterbacking at, you know, the Chiefs position, it was those were some of the best teams in Chiefs history. They were the ones that made it to the mountaintop and got, you know, the Super Bowl championship. And that trophy will always, you know, be displayed proudly at Arrowhead. Obviously, Len Dawson's number will always hang in the ring of honor. It's just uh, it's a sad day to lose really a guy who, despite being a pro football Hall of Famer, somehow still I feel is underrated Doesn't. for what he achieved on the field. I completely agree. And you know, for the Chiefs accomplishments, they were they were many and they were, you know, storied and everything. But for his AFL accomplishments, you know, when he won Super Bowl four, 
that evened the Super Bowl count between the AFL and the NFL at two each. And it kind of solidified the fact that the AFL was here to stay. They were as good as the NFL. They were equals. And it it sort of, I, I, I don't want to say it completely, like single-handedly led to the merger, but I mean, it allowed the merger to feel like a just, you know, event where if, if the NFL had been pants in the AFL in the first four Super Bowls, then, you know, a lot of people probably would have thought, well, we don't know if we really want these, you know, these hacks in the AFL to join the prestigious NFL. But I mean, Len Dawson was part of that, that narrative of like the AFL is, is here. This is half of professional football. And I just think that he should, he and the 69 chiefs should get a lot of credit for how they led the way for the merger between the two leagues. Yeah, and really, I mean, you know, the the first Super Bowl, I said it was competitive. It actually wasn't that competitive. But the the Chiefs were, you know, obviously the Jets were the first AFL team to win the Super Bowl. They won Super Bowl three the year before the Chiefs won. And Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame literally because he, he called it, you know, the guarantee yeah. for that game, right? Yep. Um, that was a fluke, and everybody knew it was a fluke, right? Like, that's why Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. He, like, called his shot, and then somehow the Jets actually won Super Bowl three. To your point, Super Bowl four, which it wasn't a blowout, but it was a convincing win by the Chiefs, I, I feel like that did kind of solidify, like, you know, okay, last year might have been a fluke. This was not a fluke. This no. this is the AFL, you know, proving that they can hang with the the old guard in the NFL. And there's a lot of good players in this league. And obviously, um, you know, the Chiefs are continuing that tradition, we hope. Uh, now, it's going to be really um, exciting in a way to see how the Chiefs are going to honor Glenn Dawson. Because, you know, obviously this season is going to be about him. I'm sure they'll honor him with a patch um, or you know, yeah. a helmet sticker or whatever Certainly. it will be. And, um, I'm sure there will be a lot of um, a lot of honors and um, memories shared at Arrowhead throughout the course of the season. And, you know, hopefully the Chiefs can honor him in the best way possible, which is winning the game at the end. So we've got some roster moves uh, transitioning into the here and now. First and foremost, Derek Gore goes to the IR with a thumb injury. So he's going to miss some time in the short term. We didn't expect Derek Gord necessarily to be a guy that would make the roster, but this does kind of clear up the running back battle a little bit, don't you think? Uh, yeah, in a sense that it's basically the the three guys that we knew were going to make it, Clyde and I guess you would consider Burton a running back and Pacheco. And then it, the question is now just is Ronald Jones going to – oh, and McKinnon, sorry, and McKinnon. And then the question is, is Ronald Jones going to make the roster? So any any issues with Derek Gore potentially knocking out, you know, Ronald Jones for a spot, those are gone. Yeah, you're right. Gore's out of the picture, and now it's basically do they want to fit another running back and make it Rojo or not? Right. Lucas Niang goes to the pup list with a knee issue. He's going to miss at least weeks one through four. So they actually did change the pup list this year. It used to be that they'd have to miss the first six games. They did reduce mm -hmm. it down to the first four weeks of the season, at least if you have special, you know, special qualifying uh, pup. I mean, there's certain injuries that can cause it to be longer, but he'll miss at least the first four weeks of the season. I don't feel like this is a huge surprise given everything that we we've heard about his injury status from Andy Reid, you know, throughout training camp and the first couple of weeks of the preseason. But it is unfortunate because obviously he's a guy who he wasn't a world beater, but he certainly had upside and he flashed potential when he was on the field last year. And now the Chiefs are going to have to wait a little bit longer. And you have to think that, you know, if Andrew Wiley is rolling, 
after the first month of the season, they're not going to make a change. No, and they shouldn't. I mean, that that's uh, you're exactly right. It's too bad for Niang. It's it's definitely takes a hit to your early season depth. So they cannot really absorb another tackle injury after that point because then they would be really scraping the bottom of the barrel. But um, yeah, it's it's just it doesn't seem like anyone was surprised by that news. That was something that they've been preparing for uh, basically since the day that he came up with that new injury. So uh, hoping that he has a quick bounce back and that we're looking at maybe a week five or six recovery, that would obviously spell great news for, um, you know, that kind of mid season re infusion of talent there, but um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see how long that injury lasts. We are down to 80 on the roster. We'll talk about this more in our final segment where we're predicting the roster, but defensive back Nasir Greer, Offensive lineman David Steinmetz and cornerback Brandon Dandridge. Who? Who? All three of those guys cut to get the Chiefs down to 80 on the current roster. And speaking of injuries, one final injury note, Blake Bell had surgery on his hip flexor. And I know that this was uh, kind of an unusual injury. Um, when Andy was talking about it last week, he he did note that it was a little bit of a, a strange injury for a hip flexor, maybe a little bit atypical. So he did have to have surgery on that. It's not going to be a quick recovery. And IR is an option. We'll talk about this when we're predicting the roster, but the Chiefs essentially have the option to bring Blake Bell onto the 53 and then immediately place him on IR. And mm -hmm. if they've got a corresponding move that they can make, assuming that, you know, whatever player that they cut in order to keep Blake Bell, but move him to IR, then they can bring that guy on. The problem is if that guy isn't initially on the 53 man roster, he could go to the practice squad. He could be exposed. You know, he could potentially hit waivers or go into free agency and give other teams the opportunity to swoop in, you know, while the chiefs are making this transactional move, putting Blake Bell on the IR so that they can bring him back later this season. So any thoughts uh, on this? Any yeah. Insight? Can I ask you a question on that mechanic? Yeah. I, so there's, they're at 80 players right now. Can they just move Blake Bell to the IR? without uh, – I'm not sure I followed your someone has to be on the 53 and get cut. Can they not just put Blake Bell in the IR and now they're down to 79? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I, I feel like we – this is something that we should just know and we're just going to have this well, conversation it's, it's a, on the air. I mean, it's a complicated mechanic. It's a, I mean, it's a conversation starter. But you know, It I, is complicated. I, my understanding of how it worked is that they do have to – if somebody's going to be placed on IR – they do have to make the roster first. Uh, oh, oh, I know so, what I'm asking. Yeah. If they IR them before the 53, it's a season ending IR. Yes. And correct. if they IR them after the 53, correct. they are eligible to return later in the year. I think, but they have 10. to be on the 53, but they have to be they, on the 53 yeah, first. Right, exactly. So, and so that's why IR their is an option with, for them. Yes, yes. They're essentially saying, do they want the option of having Blake Bell on the roster this year? He has to be on the 53 and then go to IR. Right. Right. For them to have that option. Okay. I track now. We I got it. So just to to follow this up though, this is a quote from Andy Reid about all the injuries this week. And he said, as far as injuries go for week three, most likely these guys will not play. Blake Bell, he told us the injury with the, the surgery. Uh Carlos Dunlap had some inflammation on his Achilles. He won't play. Uh he did say it's getting better though, so that's good news. Dunlap's uh, you know, a guy that we got to see out there pretty quick, I would hope. Uh, Fenton with the groin strain, he won't play. Derek Gore fractured his thumb, he won't play. And obviously we found out later he went to the IR because of that. Lucas Nyang, you know about the knee, and Juju is making progress. So that was kind of the guys that we should not expect to play week three. 
Well, it's a question of whether anybody's going to play week three. We'll talk about that in a minute. Dandy's been a little bit coy about who's going to be on the field or not. But before we get to week three, we have to talk about week two. The Chiefs hosted the Washington Commanders at Arrowhead, and I did not get a chance to watch this game. This was, uh, if you were following the uh, the riff at the start of the show, this was during the two days that I was on a ship on the ocean that did not have Wi-Fi unless I wanted to pay an exorbitant amount of money for it. When I, sure. I mean, you know, if it was a regular season game, probably would have paid it. For week two of the preseason, wasn't worth it. Spent that money on a delicious Wagyu steak instead. But mm-hmm. you did get the chance to watch this game. And I'm curious if you just want to kind of give me what stood out to you. Yeah. Because really, you know, in a three preseason game world, we don't really know what's going to happen in preseason game three. Uh, we'll no. find out tomorrow. But in a in a three preseason game world, this is kind of the this is the game. You want to see, you know, extended run from the starters and extended run from the second string guys that, you know, have the inside track to make the roster. So what what jumped out? So number one, uh, the Chiefs continue to play perfect scoreboard football, at least the offense or the starters did, because the offense scored a touchdown for the third of three drives that they've been in on the in the preseason, which is excellent news. And the defense continued to not allow a single point, the starting defense. So, you know, the first takeaway is that the guys that are going to be spending the majority of the time out on the field look to be sharp and they look to be ready to start the season. It doesn't mean that they're going to go out there and shut everybody out and be this, I mean, but they look pretty damn good. And so that was my main kind of first breath of fresh air was like, okay, Last week against the Bears wasn't really a fluke. I know the Bears and the Commanders are not exactly the pinnacle of NFL competition, but they're still NFL starting. I mean, the Commanders have a great front four for the offense for the line to kind of go up against. And, you know, scoring touchdowns in the NFL is still hard. So um, that was my first takeaway. The first uh, drive by the Commanders, they kind of got a couple longer plays. Um, They had like a little 12-yard short pass and then um they converted a third oh no they didn't convert a third down so they they screwed up and then they punted and then you know chiefs get the ball back and they march down the field in 12 plays and score a touchdown and i'm just kind of i'm i'm so relieved that they look as sharp as they did jody fortson and justin watson both established themselves as dudes that are definitely going to make the roster they fortson caught two touchdowns justin watson caught a massive third down conversion um just really really nice play between he and mahomes that you know it's also a great sign that he was out there on third and ten with the first string offense on the first drive and um obviously juju's banged up that probably would have been a situation that juju would have been in there for but uh just really really nice to see his development throughout this preseason his first game was great but this second one uh especially with that you know with that play that kind of to me that locked him in uh, so those were the guys, Fortson and Watson on offense were the guys that really, really stood out. Um, and then, you know, on defense, we got another Furious George sack. So that was, you know, the the first time was great. But then to get one two weeks in a row was a great high motor sack where he continued through the play. He kind of got knocked around a little bit and then found Carson Wentz and cleaned it up. And and that was a really, really nice play by Carl Loftus. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I think the guys that, that Chiefs fans are excited about, you know, they've looked really sharp so far. They've looked through these first two games like the Chiefs have approached this offseason with a purpose and the way that you would expect a veteran-led, veteran-coached, 
playoff heartbroken team to respond the next year, which is to go out and start kicking people's ass right from the jump and not have any type of like, you know, hangover or any type of rust or, I mean, they look like they mean business from day one and that's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, obviously didn't get a, a chance to watch the entire game and I haven't had a chance to, to grind much tape on it, but um, just to echo, echo some of your comments. I mean, Justin Watson on that third and 10 looked great and I yeah. wasn't able to discern whether that was, you know, exactly how he was going to run that route or whether he kind of made an adjustment in fly to kind of cut that back in um, on the seam and, you know, get open against the DB. But it was, you know, he, he had a little bit of separation, but not a whole lot of separation. He had to go. Thanks, and- Pat. Mahomes had to make a great throw and yeah. he made a great play. He made a great catch. Yep. I mean, Mahomes was getting hit when he threw that ball, mm-hmm. which obviously you don't like to see in the preseason, but I mean, he's money. I, he just was, he was extremely sharp. I think Patrick, will, he was, I think Patrick will take getting hit in the couple of those preseason games. I mean, he sure. talked about that before the first one, you got to kind of knock the rust off and, and right. get hit and bounce back up and remember that like, Oh yeah, that's what it's like to play NFL football. And you know, the, the red Jersey on him uh, throughout training camp kind of prevents him from getting a lot of that live action that every other player on the team gets. And to be able to go out there and take some bullets is uh was a good sign for him. But I mean, it, it's gotta be said that he looks dynamic. I mean, he looks as sharp as ever. He was, making Patrick Mahomes types throws that, yeah. you know, kind of that Gumby, like twisting, going right. to his right and throwing back left, going to his left, throwing back right, doing all the stuff that that we are so spoiled to watch Mahomes do week in and week out. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the talent difference between he and, you know, most every other quarterback in the NFL still. And that was where he hit a couple of those passes, the Justin Watson pass. There was a, a third down conversion that he curled back around and he just, he's my favorite. He's the best. Yeah. It's, it's great to see him out there. And you mentioned Jody Fortson, but I did want to kind of pick up on that too. I mean, I get that it's the preseason and I get that Jody Fortson is like the peak training camp yeah. <laughs> and preseason uh-huh. high player because preseason's, you know, an extension of camp and we, we have, we've nominated Jody Fortson before for like all, all preseason hype hype team. Like he's first ballot hall of famer, but he looks good. And, you know, this was the team that fortunately the chiefs didn't have to play on their field. God, can you imagine the NFL had made us go to soldier field No, (laughs) and the commanders stadium back to back in the preseason. Yeah. But I mean, this is the team that he, he, he ended his season against last year. I think it's kind of fun that they, that they, I don't know if this was part of the game plan. Like if, if this was the Jody Fortson revenge game (laughs) for blowing out his knee last year, but you know, two touchdowns, like he has some pop and he's a big guy and it just is fun to see the chiefs offense run a little bit differently, especially in the red zone, because you know, Tyreek Hill's gone. We all know that. And it was really fun to have Tyreek Hill catching 75 yard bombs from Patrick Mahomes and running straight in the end zone and not having to worry about red zone offense. And the chiefs have struggled a little bit, in the red zone, the last couple of years, at least relative to, you know, how they their perform. expectations. Yeah. How yeah. they perform overall on offense. But boy, I just, um, I'm really fascinated by, what the chiefs have shown in the red zone. I think they're going to really take it. They, they have a lot more size on the team. 
And I think a lot more, it's not just size, right? Because Jody Fortson, in addition to being big, I mean, he's, he's a dynamic athlete. He can Mm -hmm. go up and get it. And I, Mm -hmm. the chiefs just have not had those kinds of players the last, I mean, really in the Mahomes era, like the overall size of the offensive weapons on this team is it's they're just bigger. They're just bigger guys while still being very athletic and explosive guys. And I think, you know, you saw it a little bit on, you know, the play that Mahomes made to Justin Watson up the seams, certainly on the touchdowns of Jody Fortson. Mahomes is a guy that can take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like he can put the ball in places where his guys can go up and get it, whether that is in the red zone or, you know, when he's getting hit, you know, when he's outside the pocket on the run and he's, you know, kind of making these second reaction plays and scrambling and, you know, looking for a guy like he could take advantage of that size. Yeah, he could. And he certainly will. And you can tell, you know, MVS is another guy. His his six four height has just that's got to be such a comfort to be running around for dear life and look up and see a huge dude that, you know, like, Oh yeah, I could put it right there. I don't need to find tiny Demarcus Robinson or, or, you know, like any of these smaller wide receivers. Like I can just go throw a jump ball up to this gigantic athlete and he'll go make a play on it. And that's the type of player that complements Mahomes' skill sets a lot. And, and that's just so it's going to be another level to the offense. It's kind of like, you know, if you draw cross sport parallels, which we always love to do, like if you're a basketball team that that prided yourself on running and gunning, you were like the Warriors and you were just up and down the floor shooting threes all year. And then everybody kind of starts playing a deep zone on you and you kind of, you know, kind of screw up your right. your offensive game plan. Then you bring in some mammoth down down low. Your, your center is now this all star center that you're kind of like, oh, we can actually change our philosophy you know, now that we have different personnel and that's the type of exciting change that I think the chiefs are in for. It's not necessarily going to be a I formation punch you in the gut, although they, they can do a little bit of bully ball there if they, if they want to, but it's that, it's that big receiver mentality where, you know, they can, they can get these plays that I don't know if they would have been available to the chiefs before they had this type of personnel. And, and I think they realize it and they're taking advantage of it. And that's really fun. Yeah, and they don't have to force feed the ball to Tyreek Hill, which we love Tyreek Hill. We still love Tyreek Hill on this podcast, although my patience with him mm. is wearing a little bit thin in light of his, razor uh, thin. his Twitter persona. He's get, he's getting on my nerves a little bit. Tyreek has always known how to how to agitate, and he's being very agitating right now. But you don't have to force feed the ball to Tyreek Hill, and you don't have to force feed the ball to Travis Kelsey. I mean, like you have a diverse, interesting group that is going to, I mean, partly because they're not, you know, they're, they're not overwhelming individual talents like Tyreek is, but you know, it will force Mahomes to kind of play within the offense and, and go to who's open, but he's obviously capable of doing that. The haters will find out. They'll see. They'll all see. She's Super Bowl, baby. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. 
Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game throughout regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings daily fantasy app now sign up with promo code tppn click the rainmakers title and opt in to get your first card for free plus play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate nft fan fantasy franchise with rainmakers football that's promo code tppn build play win only at DraftKings. contest entries dependent on type and number of nfts held eligibility restrictions apply void where prohibited see draftkings.com for details so let's talk about week three. Week three is tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday because you're about to go on vacation and yes. also because the game is tomorrow. So we typically record on Thursdays. This time the game is on Thursday. We're going to talk about the game today. Hopefully you get a chance to listen to this. So you got a fresh take going into preseason week three, game three. So Chiefs are playing the Packers. And I guess my first issue with this game is Game three is 17 days before the season opener. Like, I'm here thinking about it. I, I We were just chatting before the show, and I was like, when is our third preseason game? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. And I was like, well, that means football must be like the week after that, right? Like the games that actually count. It's not. It's two and a half weeks after the last preseason game. Like, what? what is Why? happening? I, I, you know, they built in. They added the 18th week, the 17th game, all that stuff. They cut the fourth preseason game. And I kind of thought those two moves were related. I thought that if they had to add a new week, the only way to do it would be to cut off a week of the preseason to, to make football start earlier. That was just kind of, I always assumed that. And then I look at this schedule and August 25th, the Chiefs are going to play week three. In, and then September 11th, they're going to play week one. It, it just doesn't track with me, but I guess, you know, everybody else involved with this, the NFLPA or whoever, like they all knew this was the, the plan schedule. They must've approved this. And, uh, but it does mean that we are going to go a while between week three, between the last preseason game and seeing the chiefs play a little bit of football again. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, but we don't actually know. Who is going to play? So Andy Reid, of course, was asked about playing the starters in week three against the Packers. He said, we'll see. Mahomes has been practicing. So how long at all? I haven't made up my mind on all of that. He's been going and doing everything. <laughs> Sounds starters, like Andy. Yeah, exactly. Starters continue to play good, good, solid football. They're getting better. The second group and the third group just continue to gain experience and execution. You're always trying to keep a tight eye on. Andy said, it's a great opportunity for those guys to get some playing time. We had a cut this week, so we're down on numbers. We had some injuries, so guys have opportunities to play. Whether they make it here or somewhere else, it'll be valuable tape. I don't know what he's going to do. I There's a part of me that obviously does not want him to play any of the starters. Yeah. There's also a part of me that wants to, you know, see Patrick Mahomes on the field, even if he, you know, it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't doesn't go in his record books and it certainly doesn't go in the standings, but I don't know. Do you have a prediction as far as which uh, chiefs are going to be playing tomorrow for our degenerates that might be, you know, <laughs> yeah, do a DFS or whatever <laughs> betting on preseason uh, game three on DraftKings. Well, the, the couple things that I think about are number one, are they comfortable going from August 20th to September 11th with the stars? Not right. Playing. So right. that's right. not only is it the 17 days between, the game three in week one, but it's, it's also 
the whole week before that if they don't play. So that's my number one question. And then, you know, the Chiefs have executed to perfection for the first two games, the starters have. Does that make Andy more or less comfortable with the idea of them saying, does he think, you know, they've been so good. I don't really need to see anything else out of the starters. Let's see what all these young guys have got. Let's put some good tape on there for the young guys, like he was saying, and kind of do right by all them. Or does he say, damn, I got to see them face a little bit of adversity. I got to see them face, you know, like have to go out there and punt and, and just be, you know, get in that mindset that the NFL is not all touchdowns. Um, sure. So I don't know. I, I feel like if I were Andy, I would not play them because I think the injury risk outweighs pretty much every other strategical decision you could make there. Sure. And I don't strategical strategic, any other yeah, strategic. strategic. Yeah. Strategery. Um, but if I, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, I don't like the rust. I don't like right. them going out there and yeah, they're practicing and that's good for taking some live shots and stuff like that. But but I think if they go out and they play the first series again, they played the first series in game one. They played the first two series in game two. If they go back to one series by the starters in week three, that kind of, to me, feels like a good crescendo of like, okay, yeah. we'll send them off with some, you know, taking their taking their lumps, but we won't risk them too hard. But you just shudder at the fact that if you put any of those guys out there and anybody gets hurt in any way, it's like, damn, you really – didn't have to play him, but hindsight's always twenty twenty in that. Yeah, and you know, Andy, Andy's not one of the coaches that's going to sit his starters in the preseason. No, I mean, they're, they're going to play to some degree. It's just a question of how long they're going to play tomorrow. The other question is, I mean, you are looking at some guys who are still on the fringes. We'll talk about this in the next segment, the, fringe class. the final, the final segment, the guys that are in the fringe class that may not be locks to make the roster. The Chiefs do want to, you know, in the old four-game format, this would be game three would be the dress rehearsal, and game four would be none of the starters are playing. Now that you know there's only three preseason games, you have one less, four less quarters, four fewer quarters of tape to evaluate these guys that are kind of on the fringe of your roster, the fringe class players. And so, you know, game three becomes kind of it's, I, you know, first couple of games, I feel like everybody's pretty much doing the same thing that they've always done, whether yeah. that's Andy, who's going to play, you know, he's going to say they'll play a quarter, they'll play a half. They're actually going to play, you know, one to four drives, depending on kind of how he feels. Reps. Yeah. Number. Yeah. Reps. You know, and Sean McVay is not going to play any of his guys because he doesn't do that in the preseason, whatever. But now that we're down to, you know, a three week preseason schedule is game three address rehearsal, or is it about, figuring out these marginal spots on the edges of the roster, or are we, you know, splitting the baby a little bit and we're, we're going to have like a half from all the starters. And then you're going to try and fit, you know, your evaluations, your final evaluations about kind of the, the lower roster spots just in the second half, 30 minutes of football. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how this goes down and the chiefs have, you know, another NFC or yeah, another NFC North opponent, um, obviously the Packers are a good team, doesn't count in the standings, but you'd think that they will provide, you know, some good competition on both sides of the ball. Yeah, certainly. And I don't know if, I, I mean, I don't want to see the starters out there much longer than, you know, I mean, if they basically, if they score one time, I'm good with seeing them walk away or even if they don't. So sure. um, I, 
I'm really interested in how Andy will play it. And hopefully however he plays it is perfect for walking into the season with a lot of momentum. Let's talk about the roster. So we've got now at this point, 80 players still on the Chiefs roster. They do need to get the roster down to 53. And you've gone through and you've made a really fun color-coded chart. And I'd like you to tell me about your chart as Mm -hmm. we go through and discuss the roster prediction. So, you know, when you look at the, the 80 players, there are a couple groups of guys. There's a group of 43 players that I consider stone cold, 100% locks, no chance that they don't make the roster. And that's 43 out of 53. So, you know, you're looking at the final 10 spots and uh, that's going to be of the 43. It's the three specialists, the, you know, Winchester, Butker and, and Townsend, and then 19 offensive players and 21 defensive players. That's kind of how I've got my locks separated. And then from there, you know, you've got to fill out 10 more guys. And so I have, the 10 guys that I think are the likely picks there. And we're just going to go kind of through the positions. And I'm going to tell you the guys that I have the locks at that position. And then kind of the guys that are on the fringe class or the guys that I think are pretty likely to make it. And we'll talk about anyone that particularly stands out or if, uh, if we've got a good idea. On it. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I've got a couple of, uh, I've got a sure. couple of disagreements here. We'll, we'll keep it spicy. We'll keep it hot. We, we, we need to have more, you know, Shannon Skip interactions on the show. So <laughs> no, just, we don't. Be, Jesus Christ! Just be prepared. I'm going to lob some uh, grenades your way. I will argue with you that we need more argument, but that's okay. Um, we'll start with the quarterback room. Uh, I did this last week with Dan, but I, it's worth repeating. Obviously, Mahomes and Henny are your two active quarterbacks. They are not going to keep a third. So Dustin Crum and Shane Buchel, see ya. No notes. No, no notes. notes. Ten yeah, out of no ten. Notes. No notes. Uh, then you've got your starting five that are also locks on the line, and that's going to be Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, Smith, and Wiley. I think that is established by now, of course. Um, and then backup backup tackles and guards and centers are going to be kind of where they fill in all their backup linemen. I've got Jerron Christian, Darian Kennard, who's kind of – he's fringe right now, but I've got him making the roster. And then Nick Allegretti and Austin Ryder are going to be my – four backup choices you've got Roderick Johnson you got Prince Tegawanogo um so you know you've got a couple of tackles in there um I don't think you've got like really any other obvious choices on the line uh so that's my nine offensive linemen are going to be the four back or the five starters and then Christian Kennard Allegretti and Ryder yeah um, I think I think that's probably right I think uh Roderick Johnson it seems like they they like him more than maybe we would expect. He obviously was taking some first team reps early on in camp, which was a little bit yeah, surprising, surprising given his lack of a, an NFL pedigree. Um, I think he's, he's definitely the guy that, you know, you could maybe see slot in there probably as a, you know, a replacement for Kennard or Christian, although they certainly could carry him in addition to those guys that you named. I mean, you've got, you had four starters and, or excuse me, five starters and four backups as, mm-hmm. as locks, and they probably will carry 10 or 11 linemen. So I think that's probably about right. Um, who you think they'll carry have? 10 or 11? Uh, I think they'll probably carry 10. That, that's just my guess. Okay. I'd have to go back and look, but if memory serves, they're usually carrying 10 guys. Now, that obviously can change a little bit if you've got, you know, a guy like Blake Bell, who, 
you know, maybe is on the roster more to block and you can bring him in in a jumbo package. You know, like if you really need some extra meat on the hmm. line without, going, healthy. you know, directly to a backup. Well, right. And, and obviously he's not. So that, you know, to me suggests that it's possible that they could, you know, maybe carry an extra lineman um, out of the gate that they wouldn't maybe necessarily ordinarily take because the guys in the tight end room, you know, if Blake Bell is not going to be an option to start off the year, uh, which he's he's not going to be. It doesn't sound like uh, you've you've got a tight end room that's more receiving heavy than than it is Certainly. blocking heavy. So, and significantly so. So I think uh, that's that's really the only thing that I would add there. Obviously, you have uh, Roderick Johnson and Prince Teguanogo as possibles as maybe. Yep. I think yep. one of those guys will for sure make it. And of the two, even though it pains me to say this, I think Rojo Roderick Johnson. Hmm. Uh, is probably the more likely of the two. The other so Rojo. who else do you have? Uh, yeah, the other Rojo. Exactly. Um, so then next we've got the tight end room, which I only have them carrying three active tight ends, and that's I think that's right. Basically, you know, if Bell if Bell's on the roster, it kind of just depends on how they handle his situation. But right now, you've obviously got Kelsey, Fortson, and Gray. I think they're all they're all in there. They're all locks. I don't I don't see them not carrying Noah Gray at this point. He's really impressed in camp, and then. You know, if there's a fourth tight end, if they keep Blake Bell and don't IR him and just have kind of an injured spot, he would obviously go in on the 53 there. If they do decide to IR him, then there's a chance they try and bring in Matt Bushman or Jordan Franks as a fourth tight end. They're both bigger. They're 6'4 and 6'5 and, you know, certainly more blocking types of tight ends than um, any of the three finesse basic wide receivers that everyone likes to call Travis Kelsey. Uh, But they, that's kind of the tight end room as I see it. I think the, the three guys are obviously there and then I'm just really not sure what they're going to plan on doing with Blake Bell. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see what we'll to see on that because obviously Andy said the IR was a possibility, but doesn't mean it's a certainty. So I, I agree with all that. I think all of those guys are pretty much locks. Um, I, you know, the tight end room, I think you've identified the most talented players in that room. Noah Gray's an interesting guy to me, but I do agree. I, I don't see any way that he doesn't make the roster. He's still on a rookie contract, and he's got certainly some promise, even if uh, – He's made some plays so far this yeah. year. Yeah, even though he wasn't he wasn't obviously super prolific last year. He, he made a, no. a catch here or there. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Who else do you have uh, as locks on the offensive side of the ball? So the wide receivers, the top five are locks. That is Juju, MVS, Hardman, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. He is slotted in. Do not ever, don't expect him to not make this roster. He has been basically the most impressive player at camp, I think a lot of people would say. And uh, that's that's my wide receiver five. So then of this, after that point, I've got Doris Fountain or Fountain, as Charles Goldman likes to call him, uh, as the wide receiver six. Um, You know, you've got some options there with Josh Gordon, Cornell Powell, Corey Coleman, uh, but I think it's Fountain's position to lose, and I don't think they'll go seven. So I think we're going to say bye to Gordon, maybe practice squad to Powell. um, But that's kind of how I see that one shaking out. Um, And obviously, you know, you've got guys like Jerry Neely and Aaron Parker and kind of the the way down the – roster guys they and really even Corey coleman he's been a nice kick returner for them but um i don't think he's done enough to warrant the roster spot maybe uncle dave will step in and say he likes him on special teams enough to but he likes fountain on special teams too and so i i just don't know if coleman's got more on special teams to offer than fountain at this point 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that either, but I think they think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Like I think that's fairly likely in terms of how that part of the roster is going to shake out. Just turning to the uh the running back room on your roster, you have mm-hmm. two locks. Uh, or three bucks. You have, Four. you have, well, if we're counting Michael Burton. Yeah, right. You have, yeah. You have fullback Michael Burton, who I agree yeah. is a lock. You have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I agree is a lock. You've got Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco to round out that running back room. One fullback, three running backs. That's in line with what the Chiefs have done historically in terms of the number of guys that they carry on the roster. And obviously, Derek Gore is no longer you know, in the mix, but nope. this would leave Ronald Jones on the outside looking in. The only change you know the only thing that i'm a little bit unsure about right here and i'll tell you why that is is jarek mckinnon i feel like all the evidence points towards jarek mckinnon making the roster they did bring him back he obviously was the chief's most effective running back you know down the stretch at the end of last season it certainly makes sense that they would want him back the only reason i bring this up is because jarek mckinnon today was tweeting you know his uh i so 12 hours ago, he tweets, it's going to get ugly one way or another. And it's got a green soup emoji. Are you familiar with this green soup emoji? Well, I'm familiar with the Kermit T meme. And mm-hmm. people seem to use the the tea oh, sure. and the, yeah, the soup. Emoji. Yep, I got um, you. But I also am very familiar with football players having yeah, lives outside of, of football course. and tweeting stuff. And people thinking everything is going to be about football. And I, I don't. I don't see anything getting ugly for Jerk McKinnon. I think that he was running with the twos all camp. He ran with the ones when Clyde was a little nicked up. They have spoken nothing but good things about his production so far. I'd I'd bet as as much as anyone would willing to let me bet that Jerk McKinnon is the second running back on the on the squad. I think you're probably right, but I do think uh, I do think given that tweet, I, I don't know. There's, you guys got some doubts. There's a part um, of me that's thinking, uh, yeah. I do think Rojo, Ronald Jones, is a candidate if Blake Bell drops, you know, if they IR him and they free up a roster spot, I could see that opening up their them for keeping another running back. But it kind of it doesn't seem very likely right now. But Rojo hasn't really done anything to impress anybody and has really been struggling in, you know, all phases of the game. So unless he can if he does a one cut 78 yard touchdown run and the first drive of the third game, but that might be all they need to see that he still has it and they'll throw him on the roster. But sure. if he doesn't really show out, um, I think he's in major trouble. And then that's, that's the offense. So that's the 19 players that I have as locks on offense. And then some of the guys that are filling in uh, for, to get them up to 25. And then we flip over the defensive side of the ball. We've got the four defensive linemen starters, which are Frank Clark and Mike Dan on the outside and Chris Jones and Derek Nottie on the inside. Those are the guys that are obviously locks. And then the other four rotational locks I have are Carl Loftus and Dunlap from the ends and Turk Wharton and Danny Shelton as the tackles. I think they have all shown. Now, Danny Shelton might be a little bit of a surprise to people that I already have him as a lock just because he came in so late in the process. But you know, when a guy's 339 pounds and you can bring him in off the street, he commands double teams instantly. I mean, he just he's too fun not to uh, not to have on this roster immediately. So they're my defensive linemen, the eight defensive linemen that I have there that I would be I would bet the world that they'll all make the roster. And then the rotational guys that I'm thinking are have a pretty good shot um, right now. I've got Colin Saunders and Malik Herring making the 
the last spots on both the tackle and the end. You've got guys like Kando and Taylor Stallworth and Matt Dickerson and Azur Kamara that have, you know, been fine. And, and I have them as a maybe category because there's a chance that one of those guys, especially if they, again, have a nice week three, that they could jump one of those guys in the roster. But I think Herring's been playing well. And I think Saunders has really shown that, you know, he's athletic and and he made a really nice play in week one and, and he got a sack in week two. And I think he's kind of coming on and they obviously like him a lot. Um, so I've got them as my, that would be 10 defensive linemen, five ends, five tackles. That's my rotation. Yeah, I think, you know, for for the moves that the Chiefs have made recently, obviously bringing in Carl, Carlos Dunlap and bringing in um, Feast Danny Mode. Shelton. Yep. Danny Shelton. Yeah, Feast Mode. You know, I, I, I'm just going to pull the nickname. I, I don't need to address <laughs> him by his proper title. That is no. his proper title. His name is Feast Mode. Bringing in Carlos Dunlap and Feast Mode in just in the last couple of weeks, I feel like makes this battle, such as it was, much more predictable. Like, they're yeah certainly could have been some fringe guys that that could have made the roster um you know had they not made these couple of moves but i think both of those guys are going to make it that obviously you know uh, sort of narrows the range of outcomes for the rest of the defensive line i think that i think that's spot on i think that they've got the their starters they've got their rotational guys and it's uh you know it's a fine group we'll see how they perform it is a fine group um we go to the linebackers next. You've obviously got uh, Gay and Bolton and then Elijah Lee starting when they have base packages uh, for the linebackers. And then Leo Chanel has obviously done enough to still warrant a roster spot um, himself. And those are really the four linebackers that I have as locks. Linebacker was a little bit tougher. We've got some guys that are going to play on special teams. Um Really, Darius Harris and Jermaine Carter are the guys that I think it comes down to, and I've got them keeping Darius Harris mostly for his special teams ability and cutting Jermaine Carter, although Jermaine Carter has shown all right, and if they end up maybe making a cut on another position and they want to keep an extra linebacker, like I can see them keeping both Harris and Carter because having five linebackers, I mean, that's about right. So the three starters, Chanel, and then... Uh, that would be, yeah, that'd be five. So I've got Harris as the fifth linebacker. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, you know, a guy that uh, I know flashed early on in camp was uh, UDFA linebacker Mike Rose out of Iowa State. Yeah. I think, I think there's an off chance that he could make it sort of in the new Ben Neiman role and hopefully <laughs> new and improved Ben <laughs> Neiman role. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath, but then again, you know, it would be hard to, to come in and be a new and unimproved. Um, yeah, that's right. Ben Neiman. Only one way to go with that role. There's only one way to go with that role, and I feel like Mike Rose could maybe be that guy. But but again, in terms of the locks, I agree kind of with who you have there. I think those are all more or less locks for the linebacker position, and hopefully there's not going to be any depth or injury issues there because obviously that group, uh, while certainly having a lot of upside, is a little bit thin for the Chiefs right now. A little bit. So we've got the defensive backs here, and that's really the last uh, the last aspect of the defense. We've got obviously the, uh, the specialists, the special teamers, the uh, kicker, punter, and long snapper. But walk me through who, who you've got uh, as locks in the secondary. Yeah, so the secondary is going to be, uh, you've obviously got first-round pick Trent McDuffie along with Legarius Sneed as your cornerbacks, and you've got Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill as your safeties. Um, this is kind of, I started this out as like a base package lock type of situation, so those would be your four DBs there in base, and then you've also got 
um, locks for cornerback room are all of Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson. I have him having done enough, the rookie, uh, to warrant a lock at this stage. I think they really like him um, at this point. And then along with Deion Bush and Brian Cook are, are going to be your other safeties. So that is a pretty uh, fleshed out room there. There's a lot of guys there that are um, that I have locks to make the roster. The only guy that I would add that I think they might round out with would be seventh round uh, rookie Nuzzy Johnson. I think they've got him, um, you know, they, they like what he brings. And I think he's going to do enough to make it as the final DB on the roster. I think that's fair. I, I don't have a lot of notes with this. I think the release of Lonnie Johnson a couple of weeks ago certainly shed a and lot. And DeAndre Baker. Andy Andre Baker, exactly. I think shed a lot of light on the guys that they have in the room. It certainly appears to be, you know, a youth movement at defensive back. And I think that, you know, given that, I think that they are, all signs are pointing towards, you know, this being a draft class where a disproportionate amount of these guys are going to make the roster, even the late round picks. I mean, you obviously mm -hmm. mentioned uh, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, you know, guys that, you know, their pedigree wouldn't necessarily suggest that Pacheco. they are 100% locks makes the team. Of course, Pacheco, uh, guys that, you know, ordinarily, you know, they'd be camp fodder and then they probably wouldn't, you know, even make the team. What but a draft. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it just is, it's only going to look better going forward. It's the 53. We did it. We predicted it. That's 53.